Welcome to episode three of Ball Talk with Bun. Today I will dive into the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, more drafting to tell throughout the NFL, Beasts of the East and Best of the West preview, some contenders in the West and the East, and my feelings about certain college basketball contenders before their conference tournaments. But first, I do want to talk about Justin Fields and the Bears. Um, I'm a huge Justin Fields fan, uh, but it's pretty hard to sit here and act like I can defend him and sit here and say that he deserves to be the quarterback of the Bears. You know, there's been three years of question marks. Some of them were pretty unfair and pretty driven by the media, but some of them were legit. He definitely has a mechanics issue. Uh, he has a consistency issue. And although there isn't really that much talent around him outside of DJ Moore, and although he is getting hit a lot, part of that comes from really the reluctancy to build around him because he is a flawed, an extremely flawed quarterback. Getting DJ Moore there was huge, and I feel like it definitely helped him, and it helped the team, obviously. He had a career year. Justin uh, was getting him the ball. They had a clear rapport, but at the same time, I still feel like we did not see enough growth and enough development from Justin. He still had the turnover issues, still had issues reading the reading the pocket, reading the coverages, still taking a lot of hits. And although that that is not all his fault, he's still taking a lot of hits. He was taking a lot of hits in Chicago. Most of his sacks were not his fault, but some of them were really bad sacks because he's just trying to do too much. And I feel like with a superstar talent in the draft like Caleb Williams that's coming up, or maybe even debatable, maybe a Drake May that's coming up. Um, you can't, you can't really ignore the this type of prospect in Caleb Williams that's about to enter the draft, especially when your quarterback in Justin Fields has had three years of question marks. He has a ten and twenty eight record, and the flaws I just addressed, those are still a part of his game. Like he still has not fully developed. So you have <clears throat> this guy in Caleb Williams who is being compared to Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Brett Favre, whoever it may be, whoever these wizard quarterbacks you can name. You have a guy like that and who is worth the hype. His numbers back it up. His tape back. His tape backs it up. I mean, you are you going to tr- like you're just going to keep Justin? Or are you going to trade Justin? Or are you going to take Caleb? So many. There's so many ways so many routes that the Bears could take. But I think the Bears should take Caleb Williams. Even as a Justin Fields slash Ohio State fan, I think Caleb Williams is the better prospect. I think he's a better quarterback. Um, And I think if you put him on a Bears team with a DJ Moore and other picks, like like the ninth pick in that draft, you know, the Bears have the first and ninth pick. But, yeah, with DJ Moore – and a ninth pick of that draft, and you have a guy like Caleb Williams coming into your locker room, you could really build something around Caleb Williams. You could take Malik Neighbors at eight. I mean, at nine. You could take Malik Neighbors at nine. You could take Brock Bowers at nine. Roma Dunze, Joe Alt. There's tackles. There's receivers available. There's um, a superstar tight end available in Brock Bowers, who I just mentioned. There's so many things the Bears could do to build around a Caleb Williams and or a Justin Fields or maybe even a Drake May. But if I'm the Bears GM, I'm sitting here and I'm evaluating 
what Caleb Williams is doing or what he has what he has done at USC. I mean, he had like five pick. He had like five interceptions his first year starting. So it, once I look once I look at that and I see the arm talent, I see the consistency, I see the ability to escape the pocket and make plays with his legs, just like Justin. I see the ability to read the field consistently. I see the ability to make any throw, any angle. I mean, his arm talent is it's, it's indescribable. His arm talent is insane. Probably the best arm talent we've seen coming to the draft. You, you can't, you can't ignore something like that. You can't ignore a prospect like that. This he might be too good to pass up on. It'd be different if Justin Fields were consistent, or if he actually did show some consistency with his development. But considering that he still has a lot of question marks, considering that. His record is terrible, and I know records really aren't for quarterbacks, but it's just the politics really aren't there in place for Justin. And on top of that, he he has some on-field issues. So you really are in a tough position as the Chicago Bears GM, but at the same time, you need to watch the tape and simplify it and make the right decision, which would be drafting Caleb Williams. As much as that hurts my heart, drafting Caleb Williams is is probably the obvious answer here. Justin Fields and the Bears need to break up. Now, don't get me wrong. Fields has a lot of potential. I think Fields, I still believe Fields can be a top quarterback in this league. I've seen flashes of it, and I've seen him do great things in the NFL and in college. So I have 100% faith in Justin Fields being a great quarterback. But at the same time, it does not work out in Chicago. Sometimes people need to break up, and I think it is time to break up. On to more into the NFL draft. Um, Some teams that I think are in interesting positions, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Jets. Um, Mainly, I think the Jets, I think, considering that the Jets really want to be in contention next year. They brought Aaron Rodgers this past summer, obviously because they want to compete for a Super Bowl. He gets hurt on literally the first third down of the season. And he'll be back this summer. So where should the Jets look? Should they go weapon? Should they go tackle? I mean, Garrett Wilson is a really productive receiver. He's talented. But outside of that, McCall Hardman left, and he just won the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Alan Lazard, I don't need to say anything. Randall Cobb, I don't need to say anything. Tyler Conklin, I don't need to say anything. You know, they have... They have a lot to address um, on that offense. And it, it, the offensive line is probably just as bad as the wide receiver core. But Aaron is about to be 40. Um, we have to protect him. I don't want to see Gregory Rousseau or, you know, Vaughn Miller or Jalen Phillips all on Aaron Rodgers' face two times a year. The man is about to be 40. The Jets should take a tackle, and they should really invest in protecting Aaron Rodgers because if you have a defense that's that good, and it's just defense is as advertised, it's a special defense, and if you have a quarterback that you can lean on to just do enough to win games, then you're a contender. You are indeed a contender. But you need protection for Aaron. 
if you can't protect Aaron, I mean, God forbid he could get hurt again. And off, obviously, if you're not protecting your quarterback, the offense just won't work out. I think the Jets, with the amount of talent they have on defense, it would be disrespectful to the defense if Robert Sala and the Jets GM messed this pick up. You have to get a tackle. You have to get an offensive tackle. Aaron has to be upright. We want to see Aaron in the playoffs. We want to see Aaron in the Super Bowl. So you have to protect. Go tackle, and this could be a really huge draft. Because like I said, you are already you already brought in your quarterback. The only reason why you weren't in the playoffs because your quarterback got hurt. So now you're about to get him a tackle or a guard. Get him that lineman, and Aaron has protection. If all things work out with that lineman, but if Aaron has some sort of protection in New York, it could be scary. It could be really scary. The Patriots, who just lost Bill Belichick, um, they have to go quarterback. You can't go another season with Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. You have to go quarterback. Drake May will be right there at three. I understand the Marvin Harrison Jr. temptation, but you had like this again, just like with the Chicago Bears. This is an opportunity to really set your franchise up for a good future. You don't want to take Marvin Harrison Jr. at three and set your franchise back because you got a star receiver with zero quarterback or star receiver with Russell Wilson. We don't need a young receiver with Russell Wilson. A young receiver with a, I don't know, a Matt Ryan. We don't need to see that. Or a Kirk Cousins. <clears throat> this Patriots team, they need a new sign of hope. And running Mac Jones out there for another for, I'm sorry, for a third, fourth year. That that would just that would just kill the locker room. You have to take quarterback. Same thing for the Raiders. There's Jaden Daniels right there. There's going to be Jane Daniels. There's going to be Drake May. There's going to be Michael Penix. There's going to be J.J. McCarthy. There's going to be a Bo Nix. All these quarterbacks and all these teams chilled all year without a quarterback. Raiders, Patriots, Falcons. They went out there and chilled with no quarterback all year. You have to take a quarterback. If you don't take a quarterback, then that's just more signs of unseriousness, more signs of darkness that's that's if you don't have a quarterback you're just in the darkness same thing for the falcons now the falcons are in a position or in an interesting position because there are rumors that they will trade for justin fields which i would support 100 percent uh given that justin Fields is a georgia guy he played at georgia before he went to ohio state in case people forgot he is from Georgia. He won the Elite 11 in Georgia. I believe he won state championships in Georgia as a high schooler. So Fields is home in Atlanta. Would, would, would that not be great for the Falcons fan base? Would it not be great for Raheem Morris? Would that not be great for Justin Fields? We have Drake London there. We have Bihan. You have a young tight end in Kyle Pitts, who I think can still be a star in this league. Um, this is a, rest, a restarting organization in, in Atlanta. I think getting Justin would be huge for them, would be huge for them, especially in a division in the NFC South, which is extremely, extremely lost. But in a division like the NFC South, 
and the best quarterback is probably Derek Carr or Baker Mayfield. The Falcons, if they go out and get a guy like Justin, that's that is a division changing move. You add that type of quarterback who's dynamic and has a strong arm with the weapons like Behan Robinson and a Kyle Pitts and the Drake London, that would be fun to watch. I think some other teams like the Vikings or the Broncos or the Seahawks, those are three teams with veteran quarterbacks who are on very hefty contracts. I think they also should look for some quarterbacks as well in the draft because let's be honest. In Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, is he happy? He's going to get paid. He's going to get his money. But who's going to throw him the ball? Kirk Cousins is about to be a free agent. Will the Vikings re-sign him? Will he get another deal? Kirk Cousins hasn't done anything in Minnesota. And it would be it would be pretty hard for me to sit here and be like, all right, I'm about to repay you this and give you this. Because the team the team itself is it's not built for a championship. And on top of that, you have an aging quarterback who is just coming off season in season ending injury. But you have an aging quarterback who isn't that good to begin with, who doesn't have that much success in January to begin with, who doesn't have success at all if he makes it. But you have an aging quarterback who really has not done that much in the league. Why would you not take a quarterback if you're in Minnesota? A young quarterback to pair with Justin Jefferson for the foreseeable future or for the future, period. There were rumors that they wanted to take anything rich in the last year's draft. Well, I think there's a guy that's sort of like Anthony Richardson away in Jane Daniels that Minnesota should look at. Jane Daniels, who just won the Heisman, can make any throw down the field. He can extend plays. He is a, I think he's a great pocket passer. I don't really see people give him that, that much credit for his pocket passing, but I think he's a great pocket passer. Now, granted, he did play with Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors and Brian, and, um, and uh, Mason Taylor, another great weapon LSU. But this guy, Jane Daniels, every single year improved, 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 and his tape improved. And this year he popped off. I think Minnesota, um, with the with the youth that they have on their team, especially receiver with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, I think they need to look. They need to take a. They need to take a hard look at Jaden Daniels of LSU because Kirk Cousins is aging. Kirk Cousins is expensive, and your best two players are young. They need to get a quarterback. Marvin Harrison Jr., the Ohio State receiver, I think will change someone's franchise, whether it be New England, whether it be Chicago with Caleb Williams, whether it be Chicago with Justin Fields whether it be Washington, Arizona, with Kyler Murray, he's going to change your franchise. I remember when Jamar Chase went to the Bengals, and you could just feel like you could, like, I remember watching that first, his first game ever against the Vikings in 2021, September of 2021. And I literally remember saying, I don't, I don't usually feel this type of energy from Bengals games, but I did because Jamar was there. 
Jamar caught that first touchdown, and I don't think I've ever seen a Cincinnati Bengals stadium ever that hype in my life. I think I'd get the same type of feeling with Marvin Harrison Jr. He's just that amazing. I think he could really, really, really change a franchise, have a Jamar Chase-type impact. He's that good. Six foot four, can run. I mean, he's fast. I mean, I mean, if you can run, you're fast, right? He can run any route. He has great hands, great body control, athletic freak. But one thing I think people don't talk about really with Marvin Harrison Jr. is the body control he has when he's coming in and out of routes or coming out of his break and he makes an adjustment towards the ball. It's just beautiful body control. There's no wasted movement when he has the ball in his hands and he's running up field. There's no waste of movement when he's running routes. There's really no way to really stop him from getting to whatever spot he wants to get to. It's sort of like Devin Booker with basketball or like Kyrie with basketball. He like every time I watch him, it's like watching a basketball player because there's no there's no way an individual can stop him. One single there's no way one single individual can stop him from getting to his spot. He's too big, he's too fast, his feet are too good, his hands are too good, he's smart, and he can run any route in the route tree. That's a game-changing prospect. And like I said, with Jamar Chase going to Cincinnati, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. will have the same impact on the team. Now, my senior is saying Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to take the Cardinals to the Super Bowl. No. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to take the Bears to the Super Bowl. No. What I'm saying is this guy with the box office attraction that he is and the talent that he is and – just just his his aura just his aura his aura there will take whatever franchise he gets up to his aura there will take them to new heights and i think he will have a quarterback like impact in the locker room because he actually is that good and that amazing just like jamar on to the nba the beasts of the East, Austin, New York, Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia, whoever you, whoever it may be, we have a lot of basketball to be played in the NBA, guys. Um, I want to touch on Milwaukee for a bit. I know a couple episodes ago I was really, really putting them, putting them out there and saying they're gonna they're gonna be fine and. They have Doc Rivers, and they have Giannis, and Damian Lillard. Not everyone has that. Looking back on it now, it's, after all these quotes and all these interviews that Doc has done, it's 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 kind of like, nah. Because he was on the interview, and he sat there and said that he asked the Bucks, why are you doing this? Well, we need you. That's why. But, yeah, when your head coach is saying that, like, you're in the middle of a season. You have a head coach, Nate and Adrian Griffin. They literally went like 30 and 12 or something like that. They had lost only like 12, 13 games before you got fired. So they bring in the new coach for All-Star break. And here he is on the interview saying, I don't know why the Bucks are doing this. Uh, I shouldn't be here. I don't know how I got here. Stuff like that. Like, sitting, like, as Giannis, how would you sit there and react to that? Like, how, how, 
how good we're about to win. We're trying to win a championship, and you're sitting here on air saying all this different stuff about you shouldn't be here, and you didn't think you'd be here, and why are you doing this? Why is Milwaukee doing this? And then on top of that, you're talking about a situation with Kawhi Leonard back when you were with the Clippers, and you wanted to keep Shea, but Kawhi really wanted PG, and Kawhi wanted the trade. I'm referring to the trade in 2019 when Kawhi went to the Clippers. But, yeah, you're talking about a trade from four or five years ago, and we're trying to win the championship, and you're talking about you shouldn't be here, and you don't know why you're here. Well, you're here to win the championship, Doc. You're here to win the championship. If you didn't know why you were getting a call from the Milwaukee Bucks to be their head coach, then you shouldn't be coaching. You should be sitting next to Doris Burke and Mike Breen on Wednesdays and Fridays. Because, I mean, like, you have two superstars. You have a future Hall of Fame lock on your team. You ever talking about you don't know why you're coaching. You don't know why the Bucks are asking you to do this. It's it's embarrassing. And then you look at them on the court. Um, obviously, we just had all-star break, so they haven't been hooping lately. But at the same time, you look at them on the court. Before Doc was there and when Doc was there, they're still the same team. They rely on firepower. They rely on talent. They rely on their offensive prowess. But they cannot guard. Brooke Lopez and Giannis have to do so much for that defense. And... When Damian Lillard or Malik Beasley or Chris Middleton or Connaughton, when one of those guys give up a drive, it's hard on Giannis and Brooke. It's hard on Giannis and Brooke. Because your best defender out there is Malik Beasley. So it's it's just hard on them, too. Those two bigs to control the paint in this modern-day NBA. You don't have any perimeter defenders around Giannis and Brooke Lopez. So now I'm starting to wonder, was the trade a bust? Is it too early to be asking this question? I don't know. These guys have not played any defense since the start of the season in October. So is it too early to ask this question? It might not be. It really might not be. Like I said a couple episodes ago, a team like the Knicks, like the Heat, could really, really, really upset a team like the Bucks or the Celtics. The Bucks' problem is their defense. The Celtics' problem is their best two players. I think Tatum and Brown have, I've said it on every episode so far, Tatum and Brown have to take to a new level. Teams are coming. They're the best team in the league from top to bottom. Look at their roster. They're the best team on paper. On paper, they're the best team in the league, without a doubt. Drew Holiday, White, Brown, Tatum, Horford, Porzingis. There's a loaded roster. They just got um, Jaden Springer. That's another defender. They got Sam Howes off the bench. That's a good roster. That is a good, really good roster. So it's like, you know, they should win the championship. But you don't have that faith in that. And it's because their best two players, they don't know how to take it to a different level when it's time to. That's how I feel. And there's a guy in New York who I think knows how to take it to a different level. There's a guy in Miami that does. There's a guy in Milwaukee that does. And, you know, you, as a Boston Celtic fan, you're probably nervous because this team is really good. But this team has been really good the past three to four years. And they've come short, extremely short. As for the West, 
today we have a huge Suns Mavs game. Um, obviously a rivalry. Uh, I do like both teams going forward in the West. Um, I think the Mavericks, with the moves they made, getting Daniel Gafford and PJ Washington, they're more athletic now. They're bigger. They can rebound. They'll be better defensively. Um, Kyrie and Luka are healthy. I repeat, Kyrie and Luka are healthy. That is a scary duo to see in the playoffs. And with the team they have around them now, PJ, Daniel, Dante Exum, Derek Jones Jr., Josh Green, Tim Hardaway Jr., the system they have with all those guys that chuck up threes and they play defense, now you add two athletic bigs who can go out there and rebound and not control the paint. Not control. I'm not going to say that they can sit here and control the paint, but they have a huge impact in the paint. Their first couple games there, we already saw it. When they blow OKC, they had a huge impact. Gaffer and PJ had multiple dunks, multiple alley-oop dunks. Gaffer had a double-double in his first game. These guys are impact guys that they brought in to pair with Luka and Kyrie. And with the already decent roster they already had, this is a dangerous team. And um, I feel like once they get it all together, they'll be dangerous. They'll be pretty hard to beat. I don't know about a threat, but dangerous. Now, Phoenix is a threat. Phoenix, when healthy, I believe is a threat. Phoenix started out a little iffy, but I think about about midway through December and early January, I think that was when they really started figuring out, and now they're scared. Now, Bradley Beal has to be healthy. Bradley Beal, he's questionable against Mavericks with um, an ankle. He already had a nose issue. He already had a hamstring issue this year. He's banged up. He needs to get healthy. Phoenix needs to get him healthy. But once that guy gets him to the fold, Frank Vogel, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, a bunch of defenders, decent defenders, that's a threat. That is a true threat. Now, last year's playoffs and the year before with the Suns, Devin Booker received a lot of flack for getting blown out by the Nuggets and blown out by the Mavs. But you had a guy like Bradley Beal now, and you have a serious coach now, Frank Vogel. I think this is a very, very, very huge year for Devin Booker and his legacy. He could really change his legacy with the championship this year, and he has a pretty good chance. But at the same time, with how loaded this West is, every team in the West can lose first round, and every team in the West can win the chip. Honestly, we're looking at a potential Warriors OKC first round, Lakers OKC first round. I'm taking the Warriors and the Lakers. I'm taking the Warriors and or the Lakers. You could see a potential Clippers Suns first round again. I will take the Clippers probably. A potential Nuggets Suns first round. Imagine that. This West is loaded. And I really feel like there's a huge drop off in the East. But this West is loaded. As for college basketball, um, Kentucky had a huge win at Auburn. Then they lost a couple days ago. A couple days later after that Auburn win, they lost to LSU. Um, I'm really bringing up Kentucky first. I mean, obviously I'm in Kentucky, so a lot of Kentucky fans listen to this. But I'm just going to say it. Um, you guys really worry me. Uh, there's going to be a team that you could see first or second round that could really give you guys fits because you guys have zero interest in playing defense, and I have no idea why. 
However, you guys have the most dangerous player in America, I think, in Rob Dillingham. Rob Dillingham is a special talent, special offensive force, and I think he could take over any game in March. In a one-game situation, you have to win one game. Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard, those are two scary guys to see. I will admit that. But at the same time, in March, you have to have some sort of rim presence, some sort of rebounding presence, and you have to have a defense. And they don't have any of those three, I feel like. When I watch them, I see a team that could really put on a lot of points. They can score in bunches. They can score in a heartbeat. But it's hard for them to guard. It's hard for them to rebound. They get one shot up, and it's down the court. They don't, they're not a good offensive rebounding team. And they really struggle defensively, as I said. They have an interesting schedule going forward. I mean, they have to see Alabama. They have to see Alabama again. Sorry. They have to see Tennessee. And they have the SEC champ- they have the SEC tournament. That's going to prove a lot about a lot of teams at SEC, obviously, but mainly Kentucky. UConn. UConn is a force. Uh, UConn's loss to Creighton, I thought, wasn't really wasn't really moving a needle for me in terms of who's the best team in the nation because I still feel like UConn's the best. Um, it's hard to win on the road. It's hard to win on the road. And they have three losses on their on the year. So it's it's I kind of sound kind of silly saying that about them because they only have three losses, but it, it's hard to win on the road. And that was a pretty good Creighton team. Creighton's really good. But at the same time, um, I feel like UConn, could go back to back. Uh, even with this loss, they still have shooters. They're loaded at every position. They probably have the best coach in America and, and uh, Hurley. So it's it's. I can name all these teams that could possibly beat them. Houston, Houston's a great defensive team, great rebounding team. I can name Kansas. Kansas already beat them, but I mean again you. Hurley's a different type of animal in March. Um, I can name Iowa State. I can name Purdue. So many teams I can name that could possibly beat UConn in March. But at this point, like at this time of year, as of right now, I have a strong feeling UConn's about to go back to back. That is all for today. Next week, I'll have a special guest on the show. We'll be talking Kentucky basketball. We'll be talking about the NFL draft. We will talk about Kentucky Wesleyan basketball. And we'll talk about some other life things, some other life things. I thank you guys for tuning in to Ball Taco Bun. See you next week.